What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. Who are we? We make and sell the ultimate products to perfect out your Austrian dual sport motorcycle, um, a KTM EXC, EXCF, XCFW, Husqvarna FE, and FES. And soon we'll be developing uh, some, some products and components for the Honda CRF 450L, RL, and X bikes. Uh, we build out bikes for our clients and friends from Sunday Trail Specials all the way up to fully equipped global slayers like what RTW Paul is riding on as he uh, travels around the world on an EXC 500. In late 21, we'll be rolling out a full-service suspension shop as well as a motor program, full rebuilds, blueprinting, balancing, getting rid of the motor buzz and the big board KTM thumpers, top-end valve grindings, uh, the works. Uh, we want to extend, ultimately, what we're after is to extend your ride day uh, and your endurance and your stamina and be able to keep you on the bike for more riding years. We've got a bunch of 70-year-old riders out there who, with our help, Hopefully, we'll be riding well into their 90s. Taco Motico, find us on the spe- on the, out on all the socials. Uh, go out and get some adventure. With tequila flowing, Jimmy, Matt, and Logan work out your motorcycle and motorcycle-related product questions. Why power adds weight? How to make your bike go faster? The old XC versus XCW mixed with 300 versus 250 questions. How our reviews are awesome and just manufactured. Are moose tubes safe? And how the Suzuki DR650 is now the best bike in the world. Welcome to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, episode number 59. This is the show where we uh, talk about things. What do we What do you talk about, Logan? Motorcycle questions and motorcycle related. Products, products, oh. right? Good. Yeah, you're getting better. You're gonna one of these days. You're gonna nail that. <laughs> so, I'm here with a couple of my uh, co-hosts, some local dudes from around the way. Uh, I got, um, of course, you know, Logan the Talker, and uh, I got Matt uh, Mattoon, who <laughs> is a uh, was a local. He ditched us, but he's back for um, on to greener pastures. There's no green here, so I guess it's not really greener. It's just green. Yeah, he's on to uh, bigger and better things going to college like he's supposed to, but he's quarantined now or locked out because, uh, you know, and it had to come home. They kicked him out of school because there's no learning during uh, the quarantine. So uh, tonight's show is brought to you by KTM, Climb, DDC, Delaney Drive Components, and Kate's Bars. Um because we're sometimes we're powered by Kate's bars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yes, I'm on 100%. a lim- I'm on a limited Kate's bar power supply um, right now. I don't I know, know there's only one in this in this box over here. I know it's like, and it, it happens to be my favorite flavor. Oh, it does. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, why wouldn't you be like every other co-host and just steal it? Well, because it's the last one, and I don't want to be that guy. You oh, know, I'm going to tell you something about being that guy. Okay. <laughs> you can do everybody. This is my take on this, and uh-huh. you call me what you will after I say this. It's like I th- feel like I do everybody a favor when I take the last cookie on the plate or the last Kate's bar in the bin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I I just go. I have no problem. It, like when I see somebody take the second to last one, I go in there and get that last one. And if it's sitting there forever, I'll go take it because I don't care because it makes everybody uncomfortable to be to take the last one. So I actually take it. Okay. And then I and I don't feel bad about it. I feel like I'm doing everybody a favor, just like they feel bad. And then they all look at me like, oh, that guy took the last one. So so whenever I'm at a party and I notice that 
all like the cookies are gone or whatever is left, I'll just I'll just know it was Jimmy. Yeah. Somehow, somebody yeah, it was just Jimmy. Blame me. Yeah. That's that's the best thing that's best thing to do. So uh thanks a lot for uh, all of our uh, all of our sponsors. Um Logan, uh, since he loves to talk, is ready to do our KTM read. You got that? What what is what is KTM? Marietta. Yeah. <laughs> Powered by distinct ready to race mentality, KTM is the world's leading high performance street and off-road sport motorcycle manufacturer. It, with North America headquarters based in Marietta, California, over the years KTM has built a reputation on a fierce competitor on racetracks around the world and the brand's remarkable global success is reflected in every product it develops and every move it makes right on so logan what do you ride ktm yeah so you hardly even have to say that do you it's just you you, you would what would you what would you say what's your favorite bike KTM. Oh, good. That's that's a good answer. Yeah, and that just can't. You didn't even have to think about that that much, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for KTM. I will. I will have to say, and uh, uh, Climb makes I feel um, some of the world's best motorcycle riding gear. Uh, I wear Climb for fun. Uh, Matt, what do you wear? I wear Climb. Yeah, I saw you today. Yeah, yeah. That that uh. That XC jersey, I still think it's like one of the best ventilating jerseys out there. Is is really good. Yeah, I was wearing XC stuff today. We we flat tracked. The three of us flat yeah. tracked today. I dominated over these guys. Yes. Used my well, used I wonder my why. old age and experience <laughs> and the fact that I own the track. And I mean, when I say I own the track, I really do own the track. <laughs> um, yeah, you made it. <laughs> yeah, I made it. I own it. Um, I'm trying to teach these guys to perfect prepping of the flat track because that's really critical. Consistency is is uh, is a big thing out there. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we were wearing uh, our climb gear. Uh, you know, I was thinking today, as I was wearing a different brand helmet, mm-hmm. I had to reach up and actually buckle the helmet. And if you have never seen this little buckle that climb helmets have, they're called a fidlock. And it's on their higher-end helmets, and it's a little magnetic clip that comes on and off only one way. It, you, it's just weird. You just pull on it, but it's real easy when you know how to do it. It pulls off, but it will not come undone unless you specifically pull it that way. And uh, I, I get pissed off every time I'm wearing a different helmet uh-huh. that doesn't have that system because it's so it's so nice and. And and when we're in flat track, you know, we're we're doing ten or fifteen minutes pulling our helmets off, you know, dragging, prepping the track, you know, put it back on, mm-hmm. makes a big difference. So, if you haven't seen a Fidlock uh, helmet thing on one of the Climb Cryos or any of their helmets, uh, check them out. Um, really good, uh, really good products. So, what else do we have? DDC Delaney Drive Components. That's ddcracing.net. Logan's going to pick that up without making a ton of noise. Both of you guys, That's that was good. Synchronized. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's like we've done this before. Yeah. We actually uh, Nate's been a big supporter of the show from the beginning. They support land use issues. They're out there being proactive in the community. Support companies that support uh, giving you free content like this because you're getting what you pay for until you uh, don't buy the sprockets and then they don't support us and then uh i should get a discount code again from nate 
that that then he then he saw a few people actually bought them but yeah if you need sprockets and chains and kits and stuff like that for your dirt bike uh ddc has them uh what else is uh what else is going on guys anything else we're gonna go go straight to the questions is that the is that the plan so well, Matt, Matt had a question. I did have a question, actually. Yeah. At, so. Even even after sitting in through the whole last show where he was the co-host, where he could have asked me, he didn't want to interrupt the flow of the show. Yeah. By asking me a question. Well, I could tell you're enjoying the tequila a little bit, so I was. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted. I just wanted to let Jimmy be Jimmy. You know, oh, like KTM tells you. Yeah. Speaking of which, go. Okay. So uh, my question was actually. Uh, so I, I have a uh, 2012 Hoosberg 300, and it has the the uh, was it the PDS. Shock, yeah, the the PDS uh, system in there, and uh, I know those little pivot bearings, uh, they lose grease ridiculously fast, and every time I, I've re-greased it three or four times in the last couple of years now, uh, actually even more than that I think, and uh, it seems to lose uh, the grease just like a couple times, and I'm looking uh, after just a couple of rides, and when I look at the uh, at the bearings, they're uh, they're not rusted. Uh, they don't really seem to be too like they don't seem worn out. And uh, I, I've replaced these bearings actually a couple times. So I always have this problem. So I was just wondering if I'm packing grease in there wrong, uh, or if I'm because because I'm putting in there like a lot of grease in there, but it seems to always go bad after a little bit. So when you when you when you do this, you're actually popping the seals off the side, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then you see the ball. Yeah. It's it, and and then have you ever spun the ball like? Yeah. To, and is there is there a groove in the ball or a groove in the race? No, it looks pretty smooth. Smooth. Um, so what what I do some 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 you know it depends on the bearing the bearing manufacturer all different kinds of things because mm-hmm. and and it depends on the type of bearing and so there so when it's a ball I tend to try to spin the ball you know kind of ninety degrees so you're 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 looking at the round surface of the ball mm-hmm. and then there's kind of the two slots going through you know in the area where the bolt will go yeah. and then I, and then I take grease on a, on a small screwdriver and then I kind of wipe it up into the into the race, into the channel, okay. and then I'll and I'll smear grease on the side of the ball, mm-hmm. and then and then I'll then I'll spin it ninety, you know, ninety more degrees, and do the same thing. So in theory, you're, you you now you've greased, you know, you you spin it ninety and rotate it ninety, mm-hmm. and then then in, in theory you've kind of, you know, greased all the all the possible surfaces. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I spin it around, and you know just. With with the you know like I said the a lot of times I'll stick the screwdriver in there and I can use the screwdriver to rotate that yeah. the, the sphere around um, and move it around and that will smear the grease around and get it in there. Sometimes the tolerances is pretty you know, tolerances are pretty tr- tight. Mm-hmm. So if if it's drying out that quick, you could be using uh, maybe not the right type of grease. Okay, and there's a lot of different types of grease, and and I I use. Uh, I've used uh, Maxima makes a really nice grease. Uh, mm. Silkline has a really nice grease that's, that that was hard to get. Um, and the good thing about the Silkline one is they had this in this little thing inside the container that oh, you yeah. push down on, and the and the grease came out of the middle, so it was yeah. really easy to get pieces. Um, but you know, a good a good motorcycle company grease. I mean, the the tub will last you for you know five years. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it you know it's it's maximum twenty bucks. You know if you pay even that, sometimes they're ten. But uh, 
I've heard they're so, good for bicycles too, actually. Yeah. So, so, so I would, I would apply, you know, apply enough in there and then, and then when you line the, 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 the ball back up like it's supposed to, then there's the, the sleeves that go inside of it. Mm-hmm. I lube the outside of those mm. and then, and then those punch kind of into the seals and there's usually a little area around the ins- when the seals are set in, there's an area in there mm. that has airspace. I pack grease into that airspace. So that the whole thing's kind of packed in, and yeah. then I put it together, and sometimes some squeezes out, and then I, I clean all that off with a with a rag, mm-hmm. and call it good. Okay. Um, I don't. I mean, it depends on, on where you're riding. You know how how uh, often those goes dry, but I only mm-hmm. do it when I service my shocks. You know, shock or suspension stuff, and that's maybe every fifty. 40 hours, you know, depending mm-hmm. on, the, it depends on the bike, you know, right. how, you know, how hard I'm riding the bike and, and whatnot. But, um, and there's sometimes they're relatively dry, but not, you know, super bad. Okay. So I, I don't, I, you know, the, what, what, what you can tell when they go bad is when you, when you start, you know, you put the bike on the stand, you lift the wheel and it goes, kunk, 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 kunk. yeah. Yeah. And Cause sometimes you can hold the, you know, hold, you hold the shock and is it the upper one or the lower one mm-hmm. or is it the swing arm pivot or is your wheel bearings? Right. You know, right. so you can kind of, you know, chase, chase that down. And on shock linkages, then you have an additional, you know, one, two, uh, three other things to lube right right uh you know and a lot of times those are needle needle bearings or maybe they're just plain bearings all different kinds of bearings in there but uh yeah good good uh good question man i'm glad you're doing the maintenance on yeah. your on your bike yeah which, yeah. which is kind of strange because you used to not do that hey lessons learned right <laughs> exactly. now i'm actually i actually need uh i think i need to order a carb rebuild kit for it because when i was at a motocross track last weekend uh noticed it was leaking pretty bad from the carb but gas was out of the overflows or out of the I carb think, itself i think out of the carbs itself like on the sides like, this, like, like where uh where the float bowl like okay connects to it yeah yeah could have dried out mm-hmm. um yeah could have could have dried out but yeah carb rebuild kits are usually a good <laughs> usually a good investment especially when sitting for a while yeah definitely so uh, a couple other little announcements i have um if anybody's familiar with the backcountry discovery route um that's uh, basically adventure bike riders. They have these different routes in different states that are just off the, you know, kind of beaten path, uh, fun adventure bike routes. If you haven't ch- uh, checked it out, um, you know, search backcountry discovery routes and you can find that. They have lots of videos. There's all kinds of stuff there. They are giving away a KTM 790. And uh, it's not just a stock one. They, they, they go through the Tour Tech catalog and a few other companies' catalogs and trick that bike out. And uh, last year it was a KTM 1090, and it was a really sweet bike uh, by the time it was done. But if you um, – this BDR Special Edition KTM 790 Adventure R Sweepstakes, um, it's www.winktm790.com. And uh, any of the proceeds from that um, raffle go to – uh, the Backcountry Discovery Foundation uh, that basically it's a nonprofit that um, helps keep these routes uh, available, making new routes, stuff like that. And you can enter to win a really sweet bike. Uh, that's my public service announcement. Do you know I mean, how much the raffle tickets are? 
Uh, I don't recall. I didn't do my research. I was out flat tracking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to look it up right now because I'm really interested because I, again, I really want a new bike. <laughs> yeah. It, it might be worth it. I mean, man, the guy that won it last, the 1090 last year was so stoked. He got such mm-hmm. a good bike. Um, uh, Teresa Rubin, Rubian, no, Rubian, you got that? Rubian, how do you spend, how do you sell that? Rubio. Ruby, it's just Rubio? I don't know. Ruby. N-O, Ruby N-O, Ruby N-O. Okay, what's the question? Jimmy, can I use B-I-B? Bib? Bib, mooses on a dual sport short trip on street, 20 minutes max. And what color throttle cam do you use? Do you have in 2020 KTM 300 ECW when you tested it? So, um, can I use bib mooses for short trips on the street, 20 minutes max? Yes. Um, I, you know, as long as you're not going 90 miles an hour for those entire 20 minutes, which would be illegal. Um, but, uh, yeah, a little, you know, short jaunts, uh, on the mooses are not going to hurt, hurt them. When I do moose durability testing, I tend to take them out onto a dry lake bed and run them at 90 to hundred miles an hour for <laughs> 20 to 30 minutes and uh and to see if there's any adverse effects from that and usually um that's not i mean it they do heat up it depends on how much you're spinning uh spinning the bike spinning the tire and generally on pavement you're not spinning your tire uh you know what really kills mooses is those utv bumps you know those utv hoops that are you know what eight inches apart or something like that yeah Riding on those, riding on on washboardy, but those are like gnarly washboards. That will kill your moose. <laughs> so um, high speeds on those will really uh, do a number on your moose. But no, that that uh, that shouldn't hurt. Short dual sport trips should not hurt a, a you know a decent moose that's lubed up well and uh, properly sized. You know all the normal stuff. Um, maybe if you are running one of the super soft ones, uh, you know the extreme enduro ones, yes. But a normal one, no. Uh, what throttle cam, I, whatever, I don't know. I didn't know that there's different color throttle cams on a KT, a 2020 KTM. Are there, uh, maybe somebody in the chat room can, yeah, I, don't know. That. I, I wrote it. However, it came stock and I don't know what they had in the bikes that we tested. Cause I never took the throttle cam off and I never felt the need to. So, and I haven't seen, uh, personally, I have not seen the, uh, parts bag that comes with it. Cause KTM a lot of times would have. Well, they used to have different color power valve springs in it, but now since maybe, now maybe they're putting different color throttle cams in it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a thing they want to want to send out. Mm. Uh, maybe somebody can kind of check uh, check in if they know that specifically. But I ran whatever it came with, and I can't be a hundred percent sure whether it came with the one that it's delivered with at the dealer uh, because I never checked. So, but I suspect it was the way it was stock because those guys don't want to change anything. Um, what's the, uh, Oh, so I looked up, uh, where are the raffle tickets? 20 20 bucks. So it's, uh, it's like you can donate Uh and, uh, uh, donations as small as $25 will, uh, we'll get you in for that raffle. Right. I believe if I read it correctly. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm going to read the next one. My name is Keith Hamilton. I got that right. First time, huh? Yeah. There good, you old, go. good old American name. It's easy to do. Yeah. Uh, long time fan and even longer time rider. I am riding because I am in the search for my next bike and I have a few questions about durability and serviceability that I can't seem to find online. 
I'm a big guy, 6'6", 250 pounds, who prefers the upright riding position of dirt bikes. Here on the East Coast, my riding will be approximately 80-20 street to dirt with hopes of returning west one day. I've narrowed down my choices to the Africa Twin, the KTM 990, 1090, or 1190. Knowing that you are very familiar with KTMs, would you choose a 990, 1090, 1190 over the Africa Twin? For your information, I always loved the look of the 990, and there was a 2012 with 8,000 miles for sale. I plan to do all service and maintenance myself, so I would like a bike that will stand the test of time. Uh, very descriptive. Uh, tells me what's going on. He's looking at um, basically adventure bikes, and he wants to make his decision based on durability. And so I answered him. And this is uh, basically what I told him. If you're riding the bike and not abusing it, you know, any kind of riding but not being abusive, and you're doing the service, whether you're doing it yourself or taking it someplace else, at regular safe intervals, that there is no durability concerns or issues with any of the bikes that we talked about right there. Like you're, you're, you're a Honda Africa twin and a KTM, whatever displacement are all going to be the same. In fact, I would pretty much go across the board saying that most, you know, most of the, the, the major manufacturers, major brands, if you're using them properly and maintaining them properly, you're never going to have a durability, durability issue that isn't a fluke thing. Now crashing into a tree is not a durability issue and in hitting a hitting a a water bar 20 miles an hour too fast is not a durability issue so Hit, hitting whoops on an adventure bike yeah it not it, not, not a durability you know holding the bike wide open in the sand and pumping the clutch is not a durability issue so normal use you're not gonna have any problems now if you start doing these certain things if you want to abuse the bike yeah then we can say little certain bikes might last a little bit longer, longer or might handle that a little bit better uh but um brand to brand you're not going to see any big differences in that so yeah keith thanks for uh thanks for chiming in uh, what's where's where's Mark Bermcannon? Where's he at? Is he anybody been following him on yeah. the uh, internets? Oh no! Is he in there? Yeah. Has he been putting up? Because I want to know where my KTM three ninety is. I you know when he <laughs> took that thing, I really thought he was going to be back in three days. You know I thought yeah this might be this bike might be a little you know too novice or entry level for him. You know he's been riding forever. It, now he's gone. He just, just, <laughs> he's like, he's like Gabe when you give him a check, you know, gone. <laughs> so, uh, maybe Mark can give us an update, throw it up in the, uh, throw up the links and stuff in the chat room to what you've been doing and we'll announce them, uh, on the thing. But if you go check out, uh, Baja Diaries and Berm Cannon on the internet, uh, he's in possession of our, uh, putting miles on our KTM 390 before I can get it back here to modify it into, uh, a slightly better, adventure platform so what does aaron smith wanted to say just wanted to say normally don't comment on videos but you have done a great job and have enjoyed the videos over the past few weeks since the 390 adventure video i'm new to the world of motorcycle dirt bikes 30 year old father of two i've learned to ride on a 1983 XT250 that I was finally able to keep 
get running over the past year and wanted something bigger and more reliable than a mechanic work than my mechanic work just wanted to say keep up the good work and hopefully I'll control at slow speeds has really helped me with my riding blasting through sand washes and climbing jawbone styles style hills just not appeal to me anymore yeah. Yep. So, uh, so pat on the back for, for me, right? Is that what is that what it said, or do, do we switch think, the pages up? Did you get it's the, for Berm Cannon. That's <laughs> Aaron Smith. No, it's it's that's he's talking about the KTM three ninety. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, I'll be able to learn a thing or two on it. Let's see. You you it's, you you got your pages mixed up, Logan. You started reading the, ne- the next question. <laughs> uh, Somehow or another, you're. Are you reading last week's? Questions? I might have <laughs> accidentally mixed up his papers when I was copying them. Oh boy, this might have been on me. Okay, so anyways, um, basically he's saying he's he's able. <laughs> I didn't at the end. It didn't make sense. What <laughs> didn't make sense was the pour you just gave me out of that tequila bottle. Okay, okay, that thing is heavy. Okay, it's and it's trying to pour it like this. It's it's heavy and expensive. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So I was very cautious. Okay, yeah. And, and I know how much you like it, so I thought yeah. I could give you a little, little bit more. Oh, you did. Okay. So um, I'll call a student. I'll figure, I'll fi- yeah, figure out the. Uh, so, anyways, um, he basically, he's he says uh, he's gonna he's he wants to learn a thing or two on the KTM uh, three ninety. And the other thing, he says, my five year old son has been bitten by the moto bug. So pat on the back to you. I don't know if I did that. Got his uh, kid addicted to motorcycles. But um, it's never a bad thing. No. Hey, Logan, do you know what a 1983 Yamaha XT250 is? No. No. When were you born? 2005. Right. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm 23, and you have me feeling old. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that that uh that, that those were those were not really good motorcycles. I had an XT600. I called it the Lucky Logger Explorer. My uh my mom actually one of her first bikes was an XT250. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's right! Yeah. So this, these, these were old Kickstart ones. I, I don't remember exactly the XT. Uh, they used to have a uh, XT, or no, they had a TT three fifty XT and a TT. Yeah, because I won one in a raffle uh, in District thirty seven. I had got a TT three fifty, which, man, Heather and I rode. That's we went on some of our first dual sport rides. I had the, I had the the Lucky Logger Explorer, the TT six, six hundred. Yeah, TT six hundred. Um, so hey Aaron, thanks for uh, yeah. Um, we uh, I'm glad you're new to the world of motorcycles, and that's that's you're the perfect candidate for that bike. I don't think you would be disappointed uh, by it at all. And uh, next, what is uh, you got to say that name? A ping superstar. A ping superstar. Okay. Not too thrilled and disappointed in how it came out. He's talking I, He's talking about my KTM 390 video. Yeah. I was expecting a more traditional adventure bike in the same line as the 690 with I, a... I thought he was talking about my video. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, go ahead. With an 18 rear, rear wheel and a 21 front wheel. And adventure... Then follow, 
followed up with an adventure and supermoto models, more like a traditional KTM bike. That poor riders such as myself fantasize about owning. This model is just a regular comfortable standard model, a more comfortable Duke model. In fact, this model should be named Duke Touring Model. It's what it is. Well, you're named a paying superstar. So <laughs> um, I, I think we should test a ping. Because if you know if if you're na- if you're called a superstar, how many fo- we should find out how many followers you have on YouTube or Instagrams or wherever this came from, <laughs> then we can you know. Sh- uh, hey, it, it you know I I I kind of get where you're coming from, but as a poor person, as, as a as a fellow poor person, uh, you know you can't you're going to get what you pay for in this world. Um, you're not going to get. Uh, this super high-end adventure bike. You're not going to get like a, a mini 790 at, at you know, $6,000, $6,200. It's just not going to happen. You need to spend $10,000 to get that. And so um, I know you're kind of... Uh, it, it is. They basically took the Duke. That's how they kept the price down. They took the Duke... Um, they changed some stuff to make it into an adventure bike. They did a really good job with it for the people that are going to be buying this bike. You know, hopefully you're not expecting a, you know, you're not expecting a 790 when you buy this bike. Cause it's not, it's not that. So, um, but I don't think it should be called a, du- a Duke touring model. <laughs> it's, it is kind of, they, they put a big enough tank on it where it gets plenty of fuel range and it's, it's, it's an adventure. So the suspension actually works pretty good for that bike. So, in an adventure setting. I I think it could do with better tires, but we're dirt bike testing. We're biased that way. So, Logan, yeah. what would you find out? How many videos he's got? <laughs> Is he just a complainer? <laughs> or he's a gamer? Um, I can't figure out yet. Okay, good. You, do, you keep doing the research. I, I, I think he's kind of missing the point of the bike. It, it's supposed to be an adventure. It's supposed to be an intro-level adventure bike and and what you kind of went into detail with your previous podcast on it was it's also meant to serve as like an intro bike for like uh the entire world kind of like introducing into those uh, markets where they're still riding like 50 cc mopeds yeah and and maybe for smaller riders you know smaller yeah. riders that don't need a bigger adventure bike or intimidated by a bigger adventure bike uh, mm-hmm. that that brings us into our next uh question by verbal widget um and he says 387 pounds why would you not buy a dr650 seat height should be low with only seven inches of suspension this was almost like a paid ktm impression not a test very sugar-coated review uh thanks verbal widget um (laughs) i have to just announce my disclaimer that the views expressed in this show are of uh jimmy lewis and dirt bike test and matt and logan not of uh, ktm but uh it was not a paid ktm impression test uh and it wasn't sugar-coated it was actually the fact and uh if i you i uh, do you think that verbal widget owns a dr650 and he's just pushing his agenda on us. You, you're thinking that? I think so. Yeah, your head went up and down. You fully agreed with me there. Um, hey, 
I think a DR650 is a great bike. In fact, I will, out of all of the 650s, if you're looking at a 650 single cylinder, dual sport, kind of, kind of like, I think the DR650 is the best compromise out of all of them when you're ca- talking about XR650L, KLR650, um, uh, you know, the KTM, we'll even throw the KTM and Husky 690, uh, 701 in there. I think, really? the D- I, I literally believe I, 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 is the DR650 is the best one of those bikes for just kind of doing everything. It has a great, it has a great motor, just a chug along good motor. The only thing it suffers in is the fuel tank. It's got a small tank on it, but you can get mm-hmm. a big tank for it. Yeah. But the suspension's comfortable and plush. It, it does everything good. The seat height's actually pretty low, where the XR650L has a tall seat height and kind of a funky transmission. Um, you know, the, the KLR650 feels like it makes only two-thirds of the power of the other bikes. But but when people say, hey, I'm thinking about getting an adventure bike, and I say, buy a KLR650. Yeah, that's that's yeah. my first answer because it has a big gas tank. I, I still, I still, uh, well, it's still, uh, my, it's my uncle's, but I still, I still like my uh, six fifty a lot, the yeah. KLR. Yeah, so it's yeah, a great bike. You're lucky, Big John's not in here because he'd be telling you KLR six fifty <laughs> stories all day long. Oh, he's got some good ones too. Yeah, like, and he's he's like the early generation KLR six fifty. But well, anyway, well, so they have that Barbie, yeah. they have that Barbie KLR, and that one's the, the I, Barbie, I would the, I the pink. <laughs> I would buy the Barbie KLR so fast. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, verbal widget. Thanks for beating us up. Um, um, I wish it was a. I wish we were getting paid more by KTM to do impressions. <laughs> so, no, that's a full. Te- that's that's a full test. Um, it's good. Uh, we have some questions about our CRF 450. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I I I nailed that question. I answered the guy on wherever he, on the on the internet. Um. For the CRF450X mod, CRF450L Ventures asked, Hey, what's up? I'm in need of help. Some help. I got a full system FMF Q4 Megabomb, but it seems to be a little too long for it. The muffler is a perfect fit. It seems that the header is a little too long. Any suggestions? Thank you. Um, so I told him, I said, if it doesn't fit, I'm guessing that you on accident or, you know, somehow inadvertently got the wrong header. Um, and I was right. (laughs) I'd never seen this guy. I just said, Hey, if it doesn't fit, it was probably the wrong one. He actually got the wrong one. He didn't tell me what it was, but I, I was guessing he probably got one for a CRF450R and not a CR450L on accident or, you know, however it was, but that's what happened. But I also went in to say, if you're having trouble mounting your exhaust system, and I've seen a lot of guys do this, they'll they'll actually go and bolt the header on and tighten it up and then try to slip the muffler onto it. And that whole system has to be aligned properly. And if you tighten the header up, you know, it's in a round flange and you tighten it up and can kind of go crooked. And if it's tilted down or up, it's going to change the position of where the header and the muffler junction is. Sometimes on some bikes, there's a, there's an additional bolt hole. But if you if you look at the bolt holes on the chassis of most bikes, they're, it's not a, a straight bolt, you know, into a fixed nut. There's always a sliding 
you know, a, a sliding fitting on there. There's some way to allow it to move. And that's mostly to allow for chassis flex. They want the, the chassis to be able to flex and not try to tear the muffler, break the muffler, you know, affect the muffler. So, um, so I said, hey, make sure that your header, and this is something that anybody can use, when you are um, installing your header and your muffler, put them on loosely. Put them both on loosely. Kind of slip fit them. And typically, I will, you know, have everything loose, wiggle it around. I will tighten the muffler first because the muffler has two bolts that are very, you know, you can move it around, but I'll make sure everything's kind of close. I'll tighten the muffler first, then snug the header down, then loosen the muffler, wiggle it around and then retighten it. So you're kind of like, you're kind of like, um, you know, centering everything up in the, in the best position that it can be in. And the last thing I tighten is if there is a second, uh, you know, like farther back towards on the header, back towards the muffler, if there's a bolt there, that's the last one I will tighten up after everything's, uh, you know, set and lined up. So, uh, a lot of times when you have uh, people complain about their bikes popping and backfiring, it's an exhaust leak because your exhaust system is in a bind and it's allowing um, air to sneak in there. Uh, sometimes there's a there's a flange fit up at the you know right at the beginning of the header. There's some springs up there that allow some flex and different things. But that's uh, that's kind of the, the second thing I told him. But uh, when I found out it was the wrong header, it was a moot point, and he said he got the right one and it bolted right on. Amazing. So you get you get the uh the next name, Logan. Thin Nigan. Right. Hi Jimmy, quick uh, quick question. For an Enduro bike, four fifty RX Honda, which battery would you pick? Lithium ion, WPS or lithium iron? That was so wrong. Lithium iron phosphate. Phosphate. Life it's L-I-F-E-P-O-4. That's the uh, chemical. Matt, do you know yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, can you explain those um, those uh, chemicals? Aren't aren't all most lithium batteries lithium-ion phosphate, or are uh, they straight lithium-ion? I think they're all... I think lithium-ion. Uh, it's but, that's uh, the short term, but they're all yeah. lithium-ion phosphate. Uh, I'm pretty sure the chemicals in those batteries, they're all extremely similar. Yeah. Um, but I'm just speculating. Uh, I actually don't really know anything too much about uh the uh the batteries but what I if, okay so okay if if uh, the earth you know because the earth is spinning yeah and if the earth stops spinning um it, that battery because it's lighter mm-hmm. um would it fly what would it do which which would you, which would you rather have sitting behind you when the earth <laughs> stops spinning a, a lead battery or a lithium battery uh, a lithium battery, right? <laughs> Less uh, potential. Do, 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 yeah. Do you ever think about the Earth stop spinning, the rotation of the it'd be, Earth? It'd be very bad. Yeah, it, it depends on how sudden it stops, but it'd still be very bad. Because I didn't pay much attention in school, but then I was one day um, I was a, a owner builder on a project, and I wonder how why we had to put all the clamps mm-hmm. and fasteners and stuff uh, on the uh, in the foundation and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to apply this to motorcycles and motorcycle riding, but so, so I, we're, we're bolting things down. We're having a, we're paying a guy like way more than I made to sit there and watch me pump glue into a threaded fitting, uh, just mm. to, to attach it to the, to the foundation and check the depth of the hole and make sure that it was clean all this other stuff. And I, I couldn't figure out why, but had a very wise friend of mine, uh, Dave Donatoni, 
uh, who, who's my uh, riding buddy, explained to me that you always have to be concerned that if one day the earth stops rotating, that your shit doesn't go flying out into the atmosphere. That's, that's why we have to glue that stuff down. Yeah. <laughs> or, or in case of an earthquake, which is different kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, take that for what it's worth. Uh, oh, we're back to lithium-ion batteries. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, if, I had a, if, if this show had a lithium-ion battery sponsor right now, I would be giving that company a really big plug, wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have a riding school that has a battery-supporting sponsor. Do you know what battery that is? Starts with an S. I, yeah. don't re- I don't remember the name. You guys got to say it right. Come on. Showa? No. Isn't it Sh- Shinomi? Oh, come on. Keep going. I, I, I actually don't remember it. I, Gabe? I for stickers. There we go. <laughs> Gabe yelled it out. Shirai. Ah. Shirai. So, um, I have a sticker somewhere on my bike. So, uh, yeah, probably because I got you a battery. Uh, no, Connor just put it on one day. <laughs> right. Just playing with the stickers. Yeah. Um, so the two batteries I recommended to him, because these are the two batteries I have experience with, they're both good batteries, is the Shari um, battery, the lithium-ion battery, and the anti-gravity lithium-ion battery. Uh, and those two I know and I have experience with. Batteries are, man, you can have some that last forever and you can have some that last two years and i don't know what the rhyme or reason is um and you can you can put two brand new batteries in two bikes that are used identically and one may last four years and one will last seven they're the same brand same brand same thing and it you know who knows uh but for the most part if you go with a trusted name brand they'll last uh, exactly one month past when the warranty uh, runs out and this goes for the battery in your car and all the other stuff uh if if uh, you know, if you're looking at price, I would say when you look when you look at the price, if you find one that's way less expensive than anything else, I would stay away from that one because yeah. there's obviously they're cutting some corners someplace. And if there's something that's uh, extremely expensive, um, you have to kind of weigh what they're saying their advantages are. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's some of these new restart features on some of them. I know a lot of those lithium-ion batteries have something that that when they get to a certain point, they they actually uh, stop discharging so they don't lose all their voltage because, you know, draining a lithium-ion battery all the way down is really bad. Uh, some of them have had difficulties in charging. There's all different things. But I've, I have uh, Shari batteries in probably 37 of my 40 rental bikes and uh, can report that they're really darn good. Um, we, you know, every <laughs> – it was funny because I pulled some out this year that it had gone bad. And they've been in there anywhere from three to seven years. Wow. Yeah. And and those bikes sit for two to three months at a time and, uh, yeah, get uh, tested that in that way. So, um, anyways, I, I, I don't have – I have one bike – well, no, I don't have one bike that has a WPS battery in it because the WPS battery is out of the bike because it wasn't cranking very well. Uh, it was still. It still shows it holds a charge, but it doesn't have the cranking apps. And I've never used the Mighty Max, so I can't comment on that. And that's the firepower battery, right? Um, I don't. The, the mine is not the WPS battery I have is not a firepower one. Oh, okay, it's, it's just it's just a WPS battery. It actually has a little button on top that you can push that shows has these little um, oh really uh, LEDs that show whether it's charged, and it mm. shows charge. But you put it in a bike and you go to crank it and it just. Yeah. Poof, 
<laughs> you know, no, that which yeah. just means it means the cells have uh, have uh, calcified, right, or right? Whatever cells do. So uh, there's ways to bring them back. You can see all kinds of uh, videos on the internet on how to rejuvenate batteries uh, at your own risk. Yeah. Matt, what's our next question? So this one's going to be about a uh, Husky 501s from a YouTuber. Uh, how often do you have to check the valve clearance on the 2020 Husqvarna FE 501s? Uh, the manual will tell you exactly when you're supposed to check the valves. I mean, like to the hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it'll it, the the first valve check is quite quick, and then it'll give you you know service intervals. If you far, flick farther back into the manual and you use that bike for competition, that manual will tell you the competition service intervals. You know that are a little bit sooner. Do people use the FU five hundred one for competitions? Uh, some people do. You oh, know they, oh. they they strip them down. There's there's a guy that knows how to get seventy horsepower out of those. <laughs> believe it or not. Oh, and he, he's gonna have another appearance tonight, isn't he? Well, the question will. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but when would I change it? And this is, I think I, I think I actually replied to him on the thread. Um, so if my bike started up, like, you know, it starts right up. And if my bike was not making any additional mechanical ticking noises, I would not check my valves. I wouldn't even bother. And I'm basing this on years of experience with that engine family, with that brand's durability and reputation like i would go 100 hours and i would not have any need to check the valves Uh, on my ktm 350 i remember i was a little worried about it and i kept checking it kept checking it and i just made the 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 valve cover gasket leak more because it never (laughs) went out of spec and my ktm 500s like i just quit checking them because after 400 hours and the valves never moved like what's the point and mm-hmm. and and on the ones that I that I did check that they did move, generally I noticed, and the reason I went to check them was my bike became a little bit harder to start. It wasn't firing right up, like you know it, it actually had to crank like twenty rotations as opposed to three or four. So it was like, hey, and then you you go check it, and sure enough, like intake exhaust valve something is a little bit tight is generally the thing, and generally I noticed that maybe the the air filter had let a little bit of dirt seep by or something. So there was always a reason for it. Or, you know, I, I've, I've um, purchased used bikes from guys that I know that are really hard on them. They ride bikes really hard. They were rev limiting it, you know, running it a little bit at the edge. And that could tend to make valves move a little bit. So if you're not riding out of the rev limiter and you're not sucking dirt, your valves probably aren't going to move. You don't need to check it that much. But maybe just... Uh, you know, check your manual and then listen to what I say and then check it a couple times in between those things. And then when you notice it don't move, then you can um, adopt my thing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wouldn't worry about it. It's it's not a it's not a big deal that they're, they're building these bikes pretty strong these days. OK, next next one. Um, Paul King from someone picking apart this Bible verse. Oh, that word Bible is a, is a, it should have been a bike. Oh. Bike. Bike. This bike. He's talking about the Husky 501 versus the KTM 500. Um, and Honda Sierra 450L that was one of the most informative reviews I've ever seen yet. I've not had a dual sport in 
won't won't buy won't buy until I know I'm headed in the right direction. A lot of videos seeing I'm seeing are either biased or one machine or another. Or it's all about upgrades and what to replace and spend more money on top of a $12,000 bike. I like in the first place. There's some typos there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Logan Logan actually does read at uh uh what what level are you at now? What grade? Eight and a half. Eight and a half grade level. Yeah, because they they quit taking him to school. He hasn't been in practice, that's why we're bringing him in here. But um you guys are typing at a third grade level. <laughs> so, it, it, it's not Logan on it's, it's not <laughs> it's it's not Logan. And and <laughs> you know, the fact that we hand him these questions about thirty seconds before the show and thirty seconds before the show and say, Hey, here, here you go, kid. <laughs> so, anyways, uh I and I'm good at skipping over because I I used to have to read these letters all the time. When I was at the magazine, we would get letters after letters of and some of them were typed some of them were you know they're written in prison calligraphy you know you get it all out there but um so he's uh he's been leaning towards the honda but now he's not too our, our video made him not too sure so again um we're selling huskies even though we're sponsored by ktm and uh um hey paul you're and, and he's picking apart the these bikes, you know, and, and watching all the videos and stuff. Good, good for you for doing your research, and good for you for realizing that there's a lot of different opinions out there, and everybody has one, and they're entitled to it. And um, we do not have any biases here, even though we have sponsors. Uh, I would venture that any of the bikes that you are looking at of those three, you'd be very happy with. They're so good. Um, the Husky and the KTM are very, very similar. And I think at some place on Dirt Bike Test, we talk about that and break it down a little bit. Um, I, we were going to do some more additional videos, but I don't know why we didn't. Maybe time, <laughs> time constraints, and we went riding. Um, but compared to the Honda, if if I were going to say, uh, if the Honda has advantages over the Husky or the KTM, maybe even more so the Husky because the Husky has a plastic subframe. The Honda subframe is very, very robust. It's it's built pretty sturdy. And if you're thinking about packing on extra luggage stuff, you know, um, uh, you know, bags, carrying things, uh, I would think that the that's where the Honda kind of stands out. And if you're the more road miles you're logging, I think the Honda motor vibrates and runs a little bit smoother on the highway uh that being said when you start getting into you know you know the performance criteria uh the honda chassis is a little bit stiffer so the ktm is a little more forgiving off-road i think the ktm suspension is just a little bit better off-road of course being a 500 ktm has a you know feels like it has a little bit more torque and 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 uh drivability so there are it's 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 a it's a toss-up, you know. We're we're and then and then, you know. I I would venture to say you'd probably be if you're planning on modifying the bike, which doesn't sound like you are. Uh, you're going to have just a little bit more options with the KTM. Although if you dig deep enough, you can find uh, stuff for either of those bikes. Almost anything you would ever imagine doing. So, 
Yeah, Paul, thanks for uh, thanks for chiming in on that question. So everybody's wondering, how do, how do I get my questions answered uh, on this uh, podcast? Well, uh, we go over, you know, we watch what people are uh, commenting on our YouTube videos. There's not tons of them, but we try to take our time and be pretty thorough with uh, with them when we uh, we do them. Uh, we ask for questions usually on Tuesday morning on Facebook. Uh, we copy those down and do them, and then uh, and then Matt brings in a question or two sometimes. Occasionally. Occasionally. Do you got the next page? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what's I, what's, I the, next, what's the next question? Um, Thanks for sabotaging the show, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for pouring that big old pour of that Class A Azul. Uh, I can get you another one. No, we're good. Okay. I could use I could use a cerveza. No, not 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 reserva de la familia. I said cerveza. Well, <laughs> hey Ned, I don't have that here. You know where the fridge at, right? <laughs> it doesn't have to be asked Eat twice. Brand, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, next question. Kevin Moore. Right. Do you? Well, three hundred versus two fifty. XC versus XCW. Do you? Do some riders on various terrain swapping between a 250 XC and 350 300 XCW? Nothing where the motors and chassis say it <laughs> better suited. It's it's not you, Logan. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it verbatim because it's like I I, I this is hard to do. Uh, Noting where the motors and chassis we better suited for, the number four, <laughs> bikes would be off-road musical chairs. Oh, no, no, you forgot a period. So it's actually uh, we better suited for bikes would be off-road musical chairs. Yeah. Um, Kevin, we don't speak your language, which uh, might be English, but uh, it's okay. No, uh, that, that, that's... His first language is he, English. He, want, <laughs> he wants us to compare the 250 and 300 KTMs and XC versus XCW. Um, he, I think he's trying to tell me how to test. He's saying, do some rides on various terrain, swapping yeah. between the 250 XC and 300 XCW. Hey, you know what? I actually did that. I did that at the intro. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did it. Noting where the motors and chassis... I'm going to say the word we is are better suited. Uh, four bikes would be off-road musical chairs. So I think bounce between them. Yeah, so he's talking about even going between the 300 and 250. So um, in that world, uh, the more you like to rev, the more you will like the 250 motor regardless of the platform. The 250 and 300 XC and XCW motors are identical. They're the same. There's no difference. The, the, the power characteristics are the same. The transmissions are different. So, you know, but the way the motors run uh, is the same. So uh, if you like to torque, the more you like to torque and, and have the lower RPMs, uh, you know, upshift a little quicker than revving the bike out, the more you're going to like the 300. The more you like to rev, you're going to like the 250. XC versus XCW, um, so the transmissions. If, if you are not very good with timing your shifts and you're going to do more, we'll call it, uh, you know, racing type applications and 
you need a, a, a you know a tighter transmission, then you're looking at XC. You know, if you if you know to rev your bike a little bit longer on the gears where there's a, a little wider gap, um, then go XCW. But the 300 pulls those gaps, you know, bridges those gaps a little bit better than the 250. You, you get me, Matt? Am I? Am I? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're getting spot it. on. Yeah. So the 350 and the 200, that's kind of the, the different there. Um, so when you go to the, the, the chassis, uh, again, XC, if, if you're going to go and do motocross or more aggressive stuff, XC, if you're going to be trail riding, XCW. I think we answer this at, at a 7 out of 10 shows, we answer that question. Mm -hmm. it, it's a pretty common question, surprisingly. Get, like, I, And it's not hard to find the answer. Yeah, I get better at it. Yeah. Um, I get a little bit. I get a little bit better at answering that question. Don't you think, Logan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We we can skip Matt Mattoon's question. That that dingbat. We don't answer his questions too much anymore. <laughs> Is it because I'm going back to Reno? No. You can. Yeah. You, it doesn't matter where you're at. Okay. Oh. Uh. This <laughs> this one looks like it's been through a war. This 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 <laughs> suds. Um. There's a refrigerator. We have a, have a refrigerator. Yeah. There's nothing. It's low tide in the refrigerator. I saw a high life in there. Yeah, I think there's a there's a there's a there's a Miller High Life kind of way in the back, way there past you know way down there on the bottom, someplace. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, this is the guy that wants to help you out with getting a um, Pigard uh, 26. Um, that's the guy that's going to help you out. What's the question, Logan? So if you are sponsored by KTM. Does this mean you can only train KTM slash Husky team riders for Dakar and other roadbook type racings? And does this mean we will unlikely see a Sherco or Beta or insert non-orange thing test? Congratulations on your, the sponsorship. Uh, no, the fact that KTM is supporting the show does not mean that we're going to change uh, anything anything that we're going to be doing thank you ned um in the way that we operate um they're just making it so that we don't quit doing this <laughs> and and then you would get nothing uh but um so uh it, if from sponsor do you mean we can only can train ktm and husky t no they don't want the Husky and KTM don't want me to train their Dakar riders. <laughs> they've, they've got they've got a whole team over in Europe that does that. Um, so I can train whoever wants to come and get trained. So anybody that wants to work hard. But what if I want to get trained? Uh, you you better get a good sponsor because the budget is like astronomical, <laughs> astronomical. What if I said please? Do. do do you think I have a soft side? No. Yeah. No. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Matt. You, you, yeah. It's hard. Hard work will pay off. So we'll see. Yeah. You want to? What do you want to go to Dakar now? What did you want to do? Remember when we were when we when you first started? Uh, oh, I wanted a desert race. You wanted a desert race. Yeah, I really, wanted a desert race really bad. Really yeah. bad. What happened? Oh, my grades got really bad. <laughs> so my parents won't let me race. Right. It was, but you weren't ready because you did race a couple times, right? I raced uh, five desert races. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the results speak for themselves? I almost won one of them, but I got too concerned with the, I got too laid back uh, in first place and I started letting off and the guy <laughs> caught back up. In the last, like, last 
two miles of that race were was just silt beds and trees. It was the most dangerous thing I've ever done. I was trying to catch this guy in in just silt <laughs> and trees all. I hit a couple trees. I'm I was lucky I didn't go down. Good. Uh, racing is dangerous. Um, so yeah, thanks. Uh, no, I'm glad. I'm glad we got the sponsorship. And you know, if you're uh, if you're looking for a bike, definitely check out uh, KTM's. Uh, where, where's KTM loca- located, Logan? Don't don't read the notes. You got to say it. Hey, Marietta. Where, okay, Marietta in California. California. Where where are they in uh, in Austria? I told you that question because you asked me. You said, "Where's KTM from?" You remember? Oh, the place in Austria, Madaghofen. Yeah, that's what the M in KTM stands for. By the way, just a little trivia. Um, okay, what's the next? Oh, we got to we got to go back up to this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chase Honolulu. Wow, you threw, you threw a Hawaiian accent into that or something like that. Jim, Gina, Chase Gina Lone. Gina Lone. Yeah. Jimmy, my buddy torched his Husseberg's 570 in a remote canyon in SoCal. Okay, hold on. Can we, can we, can we, can we have a moment of reflection here? He torched his Husseberg 570? That's, that's bad. We're going to have a moment of silence. Actually, we're not going to do a moment of silence because that's really bad for a podcast. You just keep reading because I'm going to have a sip of beer and think about that poor Husaberg 570. He he tossed it down a steep drop-off like a dummy, and it cracked the fuel connection. So when he tried to fire it back up to ride, pumped fuel all over and ignited. Left it there. There are videos. That's, why are you laughing? Dude, you know, you know how powerful Husaberg 570 is? But uh, it does, Okay, so it doesn't surprise me that he tossed it down a hill because he probably just blipped the throttle, like, just a little bit. And the thing just said it responded like they do. It just went raw and just launched out from underneath me. He wasn't respecting the Husaberg 570. It took a tumble wherever it went. I mean... Um, I don't know how he cracked the fuel connector or any of the stuff that took. But you know what's really sad about this? I, I know where this bike is. I know I have friends that rode, and they you you think I had better friends, but they all sent me pictures of this bike, uh, thinking it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know, but I mean, uh, so 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 it's still it's still there. I don't know. I it was it was like a few years ago. It was a couple years ago. But people sent me pictures, and I'm like, I I'm like, I need to know where that's at because I'm gonna go. I want to go <laughs> get some parts off of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I've seen the I've seen the pictures. Um, I've seen a video. People sent it to me, and and uh, it's yeah. Moment of I mean, that is a pretty funny image, though. Everybody wants to know what's up with my Husaberg 570. Yeah. What did happen to it actually? Oh, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, oh, Gabe's laughing over there. It must be good. <laughs> no, he doesn't even know. Okay. He doesn't. It's, I, I've been keeping it on the down low. Down. You're down? No, it let me down. It let me down, yeah. yeah. No, there was, there was no doubt about Were it. Were you trying to keep up with uh, Andrew Shorten, Andrew Shorten uh, Ricky Brayback? Nope. Nope. Well, Johnny Campbell. Oh, okay. Yeah, a whole different story. Kendall Norman. Uh, what's the next one? Christopher Moritz. Thank you, Jimmy, for good feedback and enjoyable show. Good on you, Matt, for working hard as a student. Yeah, hey. yeah, there we go. Right on. 
I think I think it's uh, yeah, Moritz. Yeah, Christopher Moritz. Thanks, Matt. Uh, thanks, uh, Christopher. Thanks, uh, everybody for you know doing good things. I think I think is that his question underneath yeah. there? Oh yeah, he's got a question. He's got he's got a couple. I think. I'm a, I'm actually thinking of getting simple, going simple and purchasing the two, two stroke two stroke YZ one twenty five X for my next dirt bike. You know we're we're get actually one of those should be in the back of Trevor Hunter's truck right now. You want to ride it? Yes. Yeah. Oh well. well I thought you were a KTM guy. What the hell? You just that turn coded real quick. One twenty five. Uh, uh, you're a one twenty five guy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Um, I'm a close to sixty year old C rider, around two hundred pounds. So he's just like you. <laughs> Who? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just joking. <laughs> Is that tequila hitting again? No. I have to not pour you so much next time. Yeah, no, I just, you know, I just wanted to see if, if Logan's thinking while he's reading. I'm looking to go light. I'm thinking that it would actually help hone in clutching skills. Last dirt bike was a 05 300 EXC. I bought it new. I raced desert on it. The bike I took to your school is my Beta 498 Dual Sport. I just sold the thrashed, that bike that was thrashed, the 300XC, a few years back and got a super tenere? Tenere. Tenere. So what are your thoughts for simples, single track trail rides? Am I... Being nuts, getting such a small bike, being honest with myself after taking your class, I've slowed down. Bringing in control at slow speeds has really helped me, my riding base through sand wash, blasting through sand washes and climbing jawbone style hills does not appeal to me anymore. Does it sound familiar, that last sentence? Yes. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Remember you switched up his pages? Oh, you yeah. got the questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, Christopher, uh, so you're all over the place, man. <laughs> that's why I had, <laughs> that's why I asked Logan. Logan, do you have any advice for him when he's talking about like the clutching and, and the, you probably remember this guy. You remember? I think so. Yeah. 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 From the school. Um, by the way, you may, uh, you don't recognize Logan as a uh, as a certified uh, motorcycle training coach, right? You you you'd think you think who who would want? How old are you now? Fourteen? Yeah. And a half? Almost. Yeah. yeah like sixty year old dudes getting lessons from fourteen and a half year old kids, but it happens when these kids are really well schooled in how to identify a problem and kind of go right to the root cause and say, hey you're out of balance or you're not, you know, you're dragging your brake or your body position is completely out of balance. So, um, so I think that, um, getting a small bike is good because it will teach you a lot of things because you're not going to mask, um, some issues with, you know, power. You're going to have to, you're going to have to pay attention to the RPM you're in at your RPM you're at, you're going to have to pay attention to the gear you're at. The lightweight feeling, uh, 
is incredible, especially when you're out of balance. But uh, you know, on a, on a bike like that, but it just doesn't have the torque. It, like when when you're a 200 pound person like me, um, you can't just like be in the wrong gear and roll the throttle on and expect the bike to pull you out of it. You have to bang a downshift or maybe two. You have to be good with the clutch to, you know, allow the RPM to come up and then settle it so you don't, like, either spin the tire ridiculously or bog the motor. Um, the X is much better than the... Uh, the. It has just, you know, it has a little bit more torque, but it's still kind of a really race, a racy bike, um, like any 125 for that matter. Um, so I, I think you're dealing with kind of a... It's a... It's a it's a it's a, a double edged sword or a slippery slope, should we say? Um, you think the think the same, yeah? Yeah. What what do you do? You have an idea on a better bike? Not a smaller bike. No, not a small. But maybe I I would say it, it where where you're at and stuff. Maybe a two fifty four stroke, because you just get that little bit of additional torque. Um, you get a longer spread in the power band. And, um, you, you know, the, the weight isn't, the weight difference isn't that big. It's not that huge. Um, but you know, when you start talking about technical trail, that's when it gets difficult. If you're on, if you're on regular flowing trail and stuff that isn't really crazy where you don't have to really rely on the clutch, uh, the YZ125X would be fine. But, uh, maybe in this case, maybe a YZ250FX or a WR250, uh, could be a slightly, a slightly better choice. I think you would just enjoy it more. Um, I I have a YZ125 in the garage that Matt asked to borrow, and then he asked if the tequila was talking when I said that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was gonna I was gonna say, bring your bike over right now. Ride your bike over to my house right now. And I was gonna look at it and see how well it was maintained and and taken care of. And then I was gonna make the decision on whether I was gonna loan you the bike. Yeah, that was gonna be the deciding factor, not the tequila. Um, so I promise it's in better condition, but back to the YZ125, I take it out. I don't go do super gnarly technical trails on 125s anymore. I used to do it all the time Mm -hmm. because I wanted to stay at a very, very high level and, and be, you know, make it easier to ride the easier to ride bikes. You know, then when I got on my 250 or whatever, I, the, the, the trails were just easier, but I don't do that anymore. I take that thing out when I can rip it you know i can hold the throttle wide open and and uh and places that are you know they're technical but not super technical and so there's a time when a 125 is the funnest bike ever to ride period and that'll never be replaced uh but you know you just have to kind of decide uh what you're what you're shooting for and I don't know where the Tenere came into that whole thing. He he threw the he threw the Tenere. He he has a lot of different bikes. He has a he has a wide range of uh, bikes mm. and tastes. Uh, betas, Tenere's, all kinds of stuff. So clapped out KTM three hundreds. What's the next one? Um, Todd Kurtz. I wish all the knuckleheads out there with the KTM five hundred EXC would listen to Jimmy's response on the 70-horsepower KTM 500 disclusion. I think Jimmy explains the whole power versus traction versus usability question as well as as well as can be put 
in two words. Peak horsepower numbers mean very little once you get to a certain point. Uh, thanks, Todd. <laughs> um, it's a very wise man. Let's let's, uh, let's let's go let's go around the horn here just to, <laughs> just to check to make sure everybody's everybody's good with this. Hey Ned, if you want to get more power out of your bike, what do you do? Right, yeah. Uh, Ned, by the way, Ned, Ned, Ned uh, McNabb here. It's my father-in-law. It's Heather's uh, Heather's dad. Um, he. What kind of bike do I ride? Uh, well, I don't care what what bike. I, it works. I have a any technique bike. that works on any bike. You, 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 so you don't watch uh, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday religiously. Man, I can't even get my father-in-law to watch or listen to this show. <laughs> this is pretty bad. Uh, Matt, no, I'm going to go to no uh, Logan. You get next. What's the shift be- up? More throttle. Right. Wow. What, do you agree with him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't get enough of the chicken wing. Okay. No, no, no chicken wing. Gabe, Gabe, really? What's more throttle? Uh, so four out of five people in this room right now uh, are absolutely 100% convinced that if you want more f- power, you turn the throttle farther. I think I think that's uh, that's that's the one bit of free advice we give on this show all the time, <laughs> um, because next time you really think you want more power, uh, figure out where your throttle's at, and if your throttle's already wide open, uh, check your RPM. You know, just kind of you know if it, if it's not really like revving, if if it's like at maybe half of the RPM, you can downshift and you will get more power very quickly. Yeah, or quick downshift, like Logan said. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna hand, I'm gonna grab the next the next question because this is a long one. Yeah. Uh, or Please Matt, you want do you want to do you want to do it? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. So so this is this is interesting. So this is a uh, Chase Acklam, uh, Ak Ak That's probably right. I think Acklam. Yeah. Yeah. So Chase had his own segment on our show number fifty eight. I think we started off the show with yeah it. yeah. I think it and, was. And he 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 had something about seventy horsepower uh, KTM's, but I'll I'll let Matt. Uh, read it off here. All right. So Chase says, uh, I guess it was kind of cool having my own special segment, LOL. But I think I need to clarify some things. So the 70 horsepower number, multiple guys are getting that number. It's not a special dyno or that some claim uh, some claim made out of thin air. Okay, or I have, to, I have to start. I have to start interrupting. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, is he defending himself? I'm going to defend myself. Either way. So when I jokingly say special dyno or all this stuff, um, you have to understand that a dyno is a measuring instrument. And if you're going to th- compare things back to back on a dyno, you need to use the same dyno. You can't use Jimmy's dyno on for me saying, hey, I, I built a pipe for this bike. Look at what number I got in my dyno because Matt is going to use his dyno and Matt's pipe on Matt's dyno might actually make a better number. You have to put all, you know, dynos are a measuring tool. So the number that comes out of the, the dyno, the number that they show you, uh, in my world, even though they're supposed to be calibrated or whatever, is irrelevant. It's just unless you're doing back to back on the same dyno, uh, the numbers are anything. So 70 horsepower uh, is just it. It could be it could be 65. It could be 75. I don't know. I don't care. But you know, 70 horsepower sounds pretty, pretty strong for for uh, the KTM 500s that we're talking about. Not unachievable, but eh, a little beyond what I think would be uh, what you could expect. So continue. 
So they actually sell 70 horsepower kits uh, for the 2020 line, but they're often out of stock. You'd be su- you'd be surprised how manageable it is with the smooth and uh, linear throttle. I agree, you don't need that number for off-road racing, but it does have a distinct advantage over the other bikes off the line and in certain race conditions. Okay. <laughs> so, wait. Hold, 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 hold on a second. Hold on. Um, so they're often out of stock. <laughs> This is this is the world we live in, that 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 you can't keep stuff on the shelf. Although, why is these companies that are just this stuff flying off the shelf? You know, why? Anytime I talk to them, they they're like, oh no, you know, we you know we don't uh, eh, we don't have that or what? It's 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 always kind of a it's always it's a mystery. Why is it out of stock? <laughs> why is it? Yeah. Well, because and why can't I ever get it? Um, cause I, I, you know, what if I do have a dyno and I want to put all that stuff on a dyno, <laughs> usually the minute I say, oh yeah, I have access to a dyno. I'm going to run it on there. It's like all of a sudden everything's out of stock. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh wait. And, and how manageable it is with smooth power and linear, linear, linear throttle. I have ridden a lot of factory machinery, whether it's like 450, whether it's a factory rally bike or a motocross bike, I've had the opportunity to ride this stuff. Pretty sure that those bikes are making that kind of power, whatever the number is. I mean, maybe on your dyno, that bike would make 75 because <laughs> it is. And yes, they are very, very linear and very controlled. But I have yet to, in my years since we've come into the fuel-injected emission era, ride a bike that was, quote, a 70-horsepower bike that had a very good linear smooth delivery um not to say that it couldn't be achieved but the tune that i was given the setting i was given the bike they said hey hop on and ride this thing it may have made 70 horsepower but i never ever rode the bike there 99 percent of the time where it might have made that power but it was not as rideable as a completely box stock bike was and if i were pushed to go fast over a long period of time i.e off-road racing mm. i would choose the stock bike almost a hundred percent of the time <laughs> yeah exactly blame me mm. go ahead so uh I would also like to point out that he says you don't need that number for off-road racing, but then he goes and talks about how it's good in racing. Right. So <laughs> if you're doing a bomb run and you're good at doing bomb runs, you're going to use every ounce of power a 450 or 500 makes. So if you mm-hmm. can get 70 horsepower and you're doing a desert racing bomb run, I agree with him. Yes, he's correct. Um, uh, you want to do that. But when you start talking about that horsepower number, I would be more concerned with the tire that I was running, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because you need traction at that point. And then, and then, you know, having the spread of power, you know, that peak number, that 70 is great, but I sure hope that, that the torque, the torque curve is, is very flat and pretty high up there mm-hmm. as opposed to this, you know, peaky thing, because you'd have to gear your bike absolutely perfect. And I tell you what, on a bomb run, although everybody would like to think that the minute they, you know, take off the line they're wide open and they're never letting up uh you're probably modulating the throttle to go around bushes or rocks or whatever is coming there and traction every time you turn that throttle back on you hope you get traction you don't like 
mm-hmm. spin right past where it makes good. So, mm-hmm. but I do agree with them. Yeah, you can use you can use the more house horsepower you can get, the better. But um, keep going. Okay, so he talks about how they do well in uh, District 37. But uh, if you want to get nitty-gritty, then you could say that having a a much higher torque allows you to run lower RPM, which reduces rotational momentum. I know Husky played with the position of the engine to reduce that because many riders claim it helps the bike feel lighter, which is obviously a big deal in off-road racing. I'd I'd just like to point out that the 35 horsepower that comes on the stock bike uh, was not a specific number that Husqvarna or KTM wanted to have. Okay, yeah, one more line. Uh, that is solely due to emissions regulations and nothing else. Yes. I, I, if, if they could sell the bike at 50 horsepower, I absolutely guarantee you, I bet you they would. But this is the world we live in. You, you know, you, there's, you, you, have to, you have to be you know, clean, emissions uh, clean, and you have to be noise compliant. And the noise one is the one that's very difficult. That's the one that's the hardest to do because you can get a very high horsepower motor to run really, really clean. I mean, that's, it's just efficiency. That's, that's what, that's what they do. Uh, but so when we start talking about the, the, when I, when I start here sitting here touting, like I can ride the, the, the 35 horsepower bike faster mm-hmm. and stuff, there is something strange and I don't know exactly how to explain it. Maybe you can, cause you're a scientist, uh, more than me. Um, in training. Entry level scientist. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I didn't get to the entry level. I I got turned around at the door. Um, so, less bikes that make less horsepower tend to feel lighter. Power adds weight, and and I don't know exactly why. And my theory is is that when you have a bike that makes a lot of power, it it's it's you know wanting to loft the front wheel you know it's actually picking the bike up onto the onto the rear wheel and we think about it if the bike is riding on on with both wheels on the ground mm-hmm. and tracking it's the the weight is more on the on the you know it's more in the center yeah. the minute it goes up onto the rear wheel and all that weight transfers to the back now all of a sudden you have a bike that's more like a pendulum mm-hmm. think about it but it's swinging on the rear wheel yeah so 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 now when you go to turn it the axis is now longer as opposed Mm -hmm. to the to when it turns on the front wheel the the engine is in the center as opposed to now all of a sudden all your weight is out in front of you and Mm -hmm. you're trying to you're trying to swing it yeah yeah that's why i feel that in the the more power you have the easier it is for that to happen even at lower rpms Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so so you know you you give a, a a 500 four stroke you know, a quarter throttle. Well, you have to get to like three quarters throttle on your 250 four stroke to make that, mm-hmm. to make that weight transfer, to make that bike all of a sudden feel heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it, 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 and there is some rotational mass in there as well. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, on a 500, the crank is heavier, the piston flying up and down is heavier. And that weight is now farther in front of the pivot point, which is the rear wheel. Mm-hmm. Is it making sense to you, Logan? You're going to go into physics when you get older? I, I, I'm surprised. Why, why haven't you? Because you, 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 you seem to be doing pretty good so far. I understand it on a dum-dum level. That's, I, that's not dum-dum. I, that's I, not dum-dum. I, I, okay, so dum-dum sits around and thinks about this stuff like, like all the time. That, like, that, that, that's, how, that's, how, that's how you get to anything in science. You've got to sit around and think about it, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, I've got to go test it and try to explain it. That, that's all science is. I, I would be so lucky if the apple would have fallen out of the tree and hit me in the head. <laughs> it, but, it, Logan, you going into physics? I don't know. You it's could. fun. It's fun. You could, then all of a sudden you could start talking about this crazy dirt bike stuff. Yeah. 
Or we could just sit around and be dum-dums and ride dirt bikes all the time. Worked for me. <laughs> so, but anyway, so, so how do we get into this discussion? Okay, so, so that's why power feels, power adds weight to the bike. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what they do, what I know they do on, on factory bikes, on, on works bikes and stuff, is they try to, they want to have a lot of power, but they, they really work hard on eliminating the rotational mass. So they use lighter components that mm-hmm. are spinning. You know, they, they make sure the unsprung weight, because the unsprung weight does interesting yeah. things to bikes too. It's, it's, it's acting opposite or in different planes than the, than the, the, the bike is. So you want to have light wheels as light as you can. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why they have titanium axles and things like that. So, so there's, there's, there's so much going on there, but most riders are not of that high level, you mm. know, feeling that, but most riders will start feeling that, that the heavier bike, the, the more powerful bike feels for some reason heavier. So a lot of times adding power to a motorcycle is a little bit of a disadvantage. Mm. And I've, I've been involved in some tests where the lower horsepower machines turned faster lap times than the higher power machines. Mm-hmm. And it influenced the direction of where that bike was going to go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, we're back to... Okay. It's a good thing I had my finger where we stopped. And I did not move it. Yeah, I just yeah. took it off the rails. So um, they, so he's talking about how... Uh, Basically, the next sentence is like it, it, it wasn't to make uh, it feel more manageable. He's just talking about the lower horsepower for emissions. Uh, so moving on to forks, Cooper's bike was built and maintained by the Team RPM off-road team. And as I'm sure you know, they're a pretty serious outfit. They use explorers for Endurocross and uh, will... As well as oh, as as well as uh, National Hare and Hound, and they do tell uh, they do tell me the horror stories they have had with the AER fork, despite them ha- uh, being the expected uh, choice for enduro cross. I'm not a professional, and the explorers are being being uh, and the explorers being better wasn't my opinion. I was told that by both Team RPM as well as the Just One guys who have had the bike on display in their office. Honestly, uh, I just trust them more with the recreational riders' opinions. I just picked up a. 2020 501 fes myself and in my experience the bike was uh, way too choked up stock being able to bring the front of uh front uh front end up at high speeds uh out here in the in socal is pretty important and the 35 horsepower in the washes with the uh, 1448 tooth sprockets just doesn't cut cut it for a big bike at that point it's just like riding a 250 thumper with the weight of a 500 uh okay so back onto the forks um, you know, I, I guarantee you that Team RPM, uh, you know, knows their stuff and they do good things and, and they have their their opinions. I mean, it's like there's certain factory teams that run air forks when the production bikes don't come with them. And mm-hmm. there's other teams that run spring forks when the production bikes don't come with them based on their testing and their experience. And that's their uh, that's what they can do. I mean, they're allowed to do that, uh, whether mm. it's, you know, because of sponsors or because of, you know, some testing. Uh, so I don't know. I remember he said something about fail. Did he say something about failures in the last one? There was some failures with the air forks. Uh, let me pull it up, actually. I, I, don't, rec- I don't recall. Um, I think for Enduro, man, Enduro cross, who who knows? I mean, that's not normal riding. Enduro cross is enduro cross is as much like supercross is to motocross. Enduro cross is to 
regular off-road riding. You know, uh, you would not want to ride a professional rider's, you know, a professional supercross rider's bike at the motocross track. It would be horrific. It'd beat the crap out of you. I, I've heard the forks don't even move when you sit, sit on the depends bikes. On, depends on the rider, but, yeah, yeah they, they, they don't want the forks to dive because, you know, they're hitting the jump faces so hard. Mm-hmm. They don't want them to compress in because they compress in. they got to spring back out. You know, they, they hold yeah. up. They, they kind of want them to blow into the midstroke and hold themselves there. That's that's kind of the, the thing. They want, like mm-hmm. in the hoops, they want the bike to get long and low and stable. Yeah, yeah. Enduro cross you know it depends on where the rider wants to feel comfortable like when they go through those rock gardens or when they hit logs you know what what do you want it to do an air fork may or may not depending on the rider be too too progressive Mm -hmm. you know you want it to blow through the stroke to absorb it where other riders may want a very progressive suspension setting to really you know have some safety built in so they can hit things super hard yeah Um, i would i would love to ride you know, these different team bikes just to, you know, not to say whether it's good or bad, to, to learn about their settings, to understand why they're using it. And yeah. I don't have a solid opinion on on which would be better at Enduro, which fork would be better in Enduro Cross because, uh, you know, and then and then they, they do go in there and modify them and change them. And I think either of those forks are modifiable in a very, I don't want to call it infinite level, but to, a you know, within their, within their, uh, component, you know, range they they can kind of keep their main character. You know the yeah. the open cartridge fork tends to be you know softer, more plush, blow through the stroke, maybe a little less consistent, and the 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 air fork would be more progressive and and probably offer a more consistent you know damping feel. Uh, so on the suspension side, I'm not getting down on them for for you know picking one or the other. Right. I, I'm very happy with both of those forks stock because that's most of the way i've ridden uh those bikes i tend to run a little higher oil level than stock in my um open cartridge forks and i run a little bit more air than standard and a little less oil than standard in the uh air forks that i've tested Mm -hmm. and ridden but that's that's my personal setting because um i like very progressive uh feeling yeah so uh, and his bike is way too, t- so the, 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 the biggest thing with the stock FESs or the KTM EXCs or any emissions compliant bike is when you start riding it and you're talking about this power and this, th- you're going to have some throttle response, some reduction in throttle response. And just like we talked about on the KTM 390, you know, they've actually tuned it into the way that the fly by wire works. Mm. You get the same sensation on a very corked up emissions compliant bike. You, you know the 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 quarter turn you used to do to get to the bike to really respond now requires a half a turn. Yeah. You, what you're doing at four thousand RPM, you now do, now need to be doing at six thousand RPM. This brings back in the rotational mass, but yeah, I think it's yeah. kind of a moot point because um, it's just it just is what it is. Uh, there, there's a couple real easy things you can do. I don't think it's like riding a 250 thumper because you should ride a you should ride an emissions compliant 250 bike uh, because guess what they weigh about six pounds less mm-hmm. than the than the KTM 500 and then you feel the difference in power. Yeah, you, yeah. you know you, the power makes the weight. It's not the weight of the bike. You're not that you don't feel that six pounds, but the 500 will feel a lot 
heavier than a than a you that know two fifty exe or you know even between a three fifty exe. So there's just a lot of different things going on there. Um, I you know it's 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 more like riding a three fifty than a two fifty because two fifties are pretty anemic. Mm. Uh, so, but I I promise you you would be pretty impressed with uh, if you actually you know rode a section on both of those bikes you know we'll uncorked and you know stock and uncorked or 250 versus 500 and mm-hmm. did all this stuff you'd be really impressed with how fast you're riding through something even though your brain and and you know you just don't feel like the bike's taking off and going that fast well, well so we were riding around in a flat track today yeah a perfectly flat smooth track with you know medium traction yeah yeah and at one point i was riding a, a ttr 125 and at another point i was riding a christini 450 net net i could blow by you on that christini 450 on the straightaway yeah yeah but Pretty i was easily. keeping up with you on the corners actually but going around the track as a whole we were kind of going around the track at the same and i was on an old xr 100 yeah and I was on a Christini 450. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I had, I had all-wheel drive, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it, do, it wasn't doing much. I know, you still slid out almost. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, so, but on the TTR 125, you were blowing by me no matter where on, on the track. Like, on the corners, you were going a lot faster. Yeah, so it's, it has to do with technique and, yeah. and, and, and track. It's, it all comes down to traction, balance mm. and traction. And, uh, Logan, what, what were you riding? Um, CRF 125F. That's your sister's bike, right? Yes. Does she know you took it? Not entirely sure. <laughs> oh, so maybe well, I shouldn't have ridden it. That's a very fun bike, by the way. Yeah, it's it's torquier than it's torquier than the 100. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that 100 is a cheater, by the way. It's got a little kit. Oh, it does. It's got a little kit on it. That's why, oh, okay. That's why you have to run that choke where you do because uh, like because it needs to be clean. Okay, because I was gonna say it, it, it's like this old XR 100 is a little bit more is like. I feel like it's got more than like some KLX 110s I've ridden before. So, yeah. Well, uh, so did do we answer uh, Chase? Uh, thanks. That that's your second segment. Um, you can sponsor a dirt bike test and Tech Talk <laughs> Taco Tuesday if you'd like. Uh, you can we call it, we call it uh, Chase's sponsor a segment. I usually don't take money on uh, who what he sent me. Somebody somebody actually tried to pay me on PayPal. Oh really? Yeah, for the show, and I sent his money back. But Chase, uh, feel free to uh, <laughs> you know to so send send us one of those seventy horsepower kits. No, I I don't. <laughs> I, I want to give him like I want to give him forty five. I want to tell him how to. Okay, so Chase, this is what I would do if I were you. I would I would buy a a JD Jetting. Tuner. I shouldn't say this because they should sponsor this damn show. <laughs> I've done a lot. Um, I would get a, a fuel tuner, like an like a Dobeck, an EJK, or a JD Jetting tuner. Uh, I would take, I would maybe replace the muffler with the FMFQ, and or just pull out that screen on the back. There's an end cap you can get. Uh, actually, uh, check out um, tacomoto.com. Tacomoto.co, co, Tacomoto co. Ta- he has a he has a what do we what do we call that sheet? The what's the sheet called? Remember we always get confused with this of a white sheet. He has a white sheet that explains the different things. Don't go all the way down, replace the ECU, pull the reeds out, cut the muffler off row. Just unrestrict the muffler a little bit. Add a fuel tuner. 
and that bike will have more power than you ever need. Resist the urge to take the reeds out because you're very rarely, even in the desert, riding at an RPM where the reed becomes a restrictive feature. In fact, I haven't measured them, but I've been told the reeds in the uh, in the 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 air intake are the same reeds that are in a KTM 300. And a KTM 300 sucks twice as hard mm-hmm. and makes plenty of horsepower the way it is. So your 500 that's not really, you know, taking in air as much should be able to pass enough uh, air through that thing. So uh, give that give that a shot, and I promise you you're not going to be disappointed. I probably just saved you eh, close to $2,000 compared to the 70 horsepower kit that I don't even know about. Mm-hmm. I'd like to ride one. I really like to ride one, especially one that has good throttle response and 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 uh, doesn't get jerky or whatever. Because then I won't know what um, color f- uh, throttle tube thing to put on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's really important. I think that adds a horsepower depending on the color. What's the best? What's the most horsepower one? Uh, prob- probably red. Red. Very aggressive. Red, red. is dead. Red. Uh, one more question on that, Logan. Is that where we're at? Um, Mitch. OGB Electron been on YZ250 same carb for years and never had issues. Girlfriend's new TPI burns two times the fuel than my clapped 05 does. So Mitch is saying he has a Electron carburetor in his YZ250 and we we have been told and and from what I understand they are very efficient. Uh, and he's had yeah, that's good that he has all that time. I you know I need to test it to explain it. But what that's telling me is that your girlfriend is turning the throttle way the heck harder than you, and you need to get on the gas, buddy, because if she's burning that much fuel on her uh, TPI bike, you're getting left in the dust because you have to turn the throttle a lot to burn fuel on one of those. Yeah, yeah, because. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes. So yeah, Mitch. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Uh, have your girlfriend tune in. <laughs> so uh, glad she's uh, twisting the throttle. I'm gonna start working backwards on some of these questions. Uh, you know, hey, you know who just joined in the chat room there, uh, Matt? Your your nemesis, Brian Horton. Oh, Brian. You know what? He's he's got a job doing trail clearing up in uh, on the trails up in Idaho, single track trails. Oh, really? So that's thankless work. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Good, he, good for him. He, he wanted to know if I could get him a trials helmet because he's like, I'm thinking I'm going to be wearing a trials helmet. Can you get me one to test? I'm like, they're hard to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's see. Scott Summers always said he went fast on the seemingly slower XR600 compared to the CR250R. Scott Summers is a freak of nature, um, so <laughs> don't bring him up on this show. He's also the guy that picked up XR600s, and I've seen like – Recently, during this COVID thing where people were like locked at home, I saw racers trying to pick up their lightweight four-strokes and their two-strokes, and they couldn't do it. So uh, cheers to Scott Summers because they were a different kind of men back then. Uh, Todd Hicks thinks I need more um, tequila or wine. A wine glass of tequila is what it was called. Weren't we going to do something with that? I'm going to put it someplace so everybody could see it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, George thinks I'm doing pretty good on the uh, the Yoda thing. 
I know some guys who won the Score Class 21 Championship two years in a row racing one. What's that? I'm going backwards, so... Uh, <laughs> lining up the uh, thing there. Racing... Uh, I didn't think that was had anything behind it. I couldn't find anything. Uh, Sam Felipe Bob says that he thinks that the guy who was asking about the YZ125X should go with the YZ250X. Uh, that would be another great option, too. Robert Miller says, another question, Jimmy. Do you do a Bike of the Year episode? Um, Would it just be the KTM 500? No, the Husaberg. Oh, the Husaberg 570. Husaberg 570 has won like the last 17 years in a row or whatever. Well, I <laughs> you, thought the XR 400 was a... Uh, you know you know that... Oh, I, I gave up on those. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. So before... before, What happened with the with the 570? Okay, so here's yeah. what here's here's what happened with the 570. Everybody's been waiting for this. It's the 570. So I was out riding with uh, a bunch of guys on H bikes. Um, can't say the name because they, they won't sponsor the show, but they're they're red. And I was on my H bike, which is a Husaberg, and it's like white and blue and yellow. It's really nice. It's kind of it has some orange in it. Uh, Five seventy, by the way. It mm-hmm. was absolutely without question the most powerful bike on on the ride. I, yeah. Like I mean, just. Like, even unloading it from the truck, you could tell that it was the most powerful bike there. I mean, the engine has a 70-degree slant in it that's really unheard of in... Yeah. I mean, Yamaha tried to copy some of that stuff, but... Uh, so, yeah, my Husaberg, it, uh, it... Leading up to this, and I'll tell you the one thing I do not like about the Husabergs is, that at least that particular bike, is you do not want to ever have to work on it. You just it don't with that engine orientation and uh-huh. the frame design and it was one of the very first fuel injected four strokes. Um, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe too much. So you don't ever have to want to work on it. So, anyways, I was out. You know, we were out ripping, and I was just just annihilating them. They all they saw was like rooster tail coming off this thing. Like you know, like the front end. There, there was a lot of flowers. It was desert bloom and stuff like that. And the flowers yeah. were like encroaching on our trails. There, there was flowers flying everywhere. These guys were like covered in flowers from uh-huh. from the roost. And mostly, it wasn't really just the the who's were roosting them. It's like the the vortex it created would actually pull the leaves off the flowers and throw them in the air. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's like that. Uh, but every once in a while, the who's were go boop and like cut out and yeah. like like somebody was hitting the kill button and. So I jack with stuff. You know, I have a lot of different switches. Like one switch on the bike says, it says, um, it's ignition curves. It's three different curves. It says yeah. uh, stock, mild, and wild. Yeah. You know, so it's got that button on there. And those actually have the kill buttons in them. I had two of them because mm-hmm. one's actually the light switch. And uh, there's a lot of wires and things. I used to have heated grips on it, which have now been removed. So we started figuring it was like an electric, well, I knew it was an electrical problem. Yeah, yeah. So we started diagnosing the problem. And I had, I had a Dakar factory mechanic uh, named Kendall Norman who was there who has – we've had a, a Husaberg discussions before. He's like, why do you ride these things and they're so stupid and, like, why would you ride something like that? So who, Kendall loves to, like, pull out his dikes and come close to my Husaberg yeah, and yeah. want to just cut it. He wants to clip, clip it, just snap the thing. Yeah. I'm like, no. And But he helped me. We, you know, started removing wires. I think we took – every wire off that thing to the point where and it was it was intermittent mm-hmm. and it would it run fine and then all of a sudden 
And I started noticing, like, you know what? When I'm kind of when we're going fast and we're moving a lot, uh, not a problem. But we started doing slower. I'd have to stop and wait because you know with that much power, mm-hmm. you have to wait a long time for even like riders like Johnny Campbell to catch up to you. Yeah. So when I would wait, I'd go to take off again. They would do these like it was like somebody was tapping the kill button. Yeah. And so we started removing all these wires, but by. And we were in this one really technical wash, and I had to wait a long time. Because even in a technical wash, Husaberg with more than 75 horsepower um, on record. <laughs> I had on, to wait. on the Jimmy dyno? I had to wait. Yeah, the butt dyno. Um, and I, that, that thing can be calibrated instantly. Um, it, so the longer I waited, the more it would do it. And finally, it just it wouldn't. It wasn't starting. It was intermittent. So now we had all the wires off it. We actually took. So I had to use these two wires, the stock wires for the yeah. kill button, to by manually touch them if it would start to start it back up. But we noticed it cooled down. It start up, run fine. Mm-hmm. If it heated up, it got cold. Managed to make it back to the truck. I actually went and tried to redo a hill climb that I wanted to go do, and it would just it was just like somebody was tapping my kill button. And then, you know, because it was cool when I rode up to it, I got up the hill climb and it started, duh, 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 and it got worse and worse because it yeah, was yeah. high load, high, you know, a lot of heat. And then even riding down until it cooled back down. So went back to the truck, parked the truck, really checked all the wires. You actually like started sl- slitting the the covering on the wires that went behind the voltage regulator and all this stuff to see if there was any nothing. Everything looked good. Bike started right up when we were done doing it. Like. Oh, we must have touched something. Okay, loop two, let's go. Oh. Went out. We were moving along. It was just fine. We got into some technical stuff. It he- heated up again, started getting intermittent, wouldn't start. The longer it sat, mm-hmm. it wouldn't start at all. But if it cooled down, it'd start up, run for a few minutes. So I'm going, okay, stator. You know, that's just kind of a normal thing. Or it has been a normal thing on on Hondas in the past. Yeah. But the Hondas, typically the, the exciter coil is connected to the stator. And a lot of times the stator is a wire and the stator starts vibrating and the stator rewound stator, whatever it is. Mm. So uh, I looked at the K in, in the K it's a KTM part, who's the part it's the, the, the exciter coil is separate. And so I, you know, looked at everything and took it apart and I talked to a few people that know more about this than myself. Mm-hmm. Alan Roach from Baja Designs, for one. Uh, a couple other people that have, uh, you know, some guys that used to mechanic for uh, Husaberg Racers, uh, you know, uh, back in the day. And they said, hey, it's the exciter coil. It's the, you know, that's the one that reads the pulse off yeah. the crankshaft and stuff. And when I pulled that thing out, those wires were, they were not pliable. <laughs> they were they were hard on yeah. that thing. Ordered another one. Uh, actually, the guy from CycleBuy, uh, Bob, I think was, I, I talked about him last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the guys I talked to about it. And he's like, yeah, that's that's probably going to be it. Ordered one of those things. Got the part, put it in there. Bike runs fine. And so I went through, sandwiched out all my wiring, mm-hmm. all, all, the, all the stuff Kendall tried to cut. You know, he, yeah, he, yeah. he wanted to cut the fuel line. He wanted to clip, <laughs> he wanted to clip the, 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 every wire on there. He's just like, let's just clip everything. Uh, no, actually, Ken was super helpful. We were yeah, both yeah. sitting there diagnosing like what could be the problem. Uh, put a new exciter coil and the bike seems to work fine. So that may, may be uh, what we're going to go ride tomorrow uh, to see if it's completely fixed. Okay. 
Uh, and then another uh, thing is, so I was out riding one of my KTM 500s. It did the same damn thing. <laughs> and you know how things go in threes, right? Yeah, yeah. Like something, you know, when one, you know, like if you're going to, if you're going to snap change, you're going to snap two or three or five of them. Yeah, yeah. It may be exciter coil season. I don't know. <laughs> don't, I don't really know. Oh, no. So, yeah, that's what happened to the Husaberg. It's it's back up and running, except I need to get some new uh, TM Design Works chain guides and disc guards for it because I also snapped those off on this little particular ride. Uh, but they were 19 years old. Oh, the really? parts on that bike, that bike is like 18, 19 years old or something like that. The 570? The 570. It's a 2000. I, I got it in 2008. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't realize they were that old. Yeah. So yeah. so I actually do have a question about the 570. So why did that design not really take off? Because it, it seems like everyone who's ridden them really likes them. Oh, because they're all a bunch of freaks. They don't know what they're talking about. Because um, at the time, it was really good. It, it does do some stuff different. But mm-hmm. basically, KTM, uh, when they were developing the new five, the well, three versions ago, 500, yeah. they rode that bike and and said, hope. Oh, this thing works good so they worked extra hard on the the next version and there's some frame design things that the Husserver guys tripped onto and mm-hmm. and just you know the fact that you could have your crankshaft up there and they got the fuel injection dialed and KTM made a 500 that was way lighter way easier to work on more conventional better like doing something different in the motorcycle industry mm-hmm. uh doing something that's like out there uh does not work look at Cannondale's oh on the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look at, I, I have a trigger. It has a dyad. Yeah, so. yeah. But I mean, Canada made a motorcycle. Oh, really? Oh, go. Here we go, kids. Yeah, so Canada made a motorcycle. That. You knew that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they made a motorcycle. And go look at the Canada motorcycle and then look at a YZ450 or, you know, and then just go, huh? It's it's nothing new. Like, there was other companies that did it way back in the day. Yeah. Some stuff. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Kyle McCoy wants to know, is it true that you once did a 100-mile foot race? Uh, yes, that was um, – I want to do another one, but that's stupid. Uh, Karen Donahue, got my first bike, the FE501. So far, so good. I didn't know what to expect. Is that a good first bike? <laughs> Just go straight to the top, FE501. Um, Grab a yeah. So uh, Todd Kelly says, as a follow-up as well, I installed the aftermarket Slavin's idle screw on the throttle body of my 19300 TPI Recluse EXP HC head V4 stock six days exhaust. Okay, you're so far down modification row. Any one modification that you did probably does not apply to uh, a person with a stock bike, but I'll keep going. I was having issues with the hanging idle, and you suggested turning down the idle. Uh, the air screw didn't help turning down the idle, but the aftermarket idle screw did the trick. Now I'm able to turn the idle way down, air screw in. Now the bike starts much easier and runs much crisper, and idle isn't running on when the throttle is chopped. Well, like I said before I read the first that question, yeah. all the other stuff probably caused the problem, and now you need that... That, yeah, uh, idle screw. Uh, I'm glad that that um, I'm glad that that kind of helped helped out. Uh, but 
if you're having a an idle issue with uh, what's what's different about that screw i'd be interested to uh to know um Robert Miller, Jimmy, what's the best modification you could do to a Honda TR200 Fat Cat? <laughs> My grandparents had Fat Cats. So sell, it, sell it and buy a Yamaha BW200. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, wait You know, wait for KTM to make one. This show is sponsored by KTM, by the way. KTM might have a... a, a wait, really? Uh, what would what'd you call a, a KTM Fat Cat? <laughs> Logan? What? You're looking at Cannondale's? Yeah. They're yeah, pretty cool, right? They look so... They're so huge looking. Uh-huh. The exhaust is pretty weird. It never... It, yeah, because it, it came out the back, you know, kind of like a YZ450, except they didn't run it around the cylinder head. And the other thing is that bike did not have a Kickstarter. No Kickstarter. Um, uh, wow. Todd Kelly. <laughs> I see the word Christini, so I'm going to read this just verbatim. When I bought my Christini, I found the previous owner had one of the clutch fibers explode in the clutch pack of the Recluse Z-Start Pro. Uh, replaced the steels and fibers and have drained and filled the oil numerous times to get as much of the debris out as possible. I put 20 bike, 20 hours on the bike sense with no problems any chance the debris will cause permanent damage and need a full rebuild sooner so todd uh uh um i i don't know but generally the oil filters in that motor which is the same as a honda sierra 450 uh will do the job of keeping the debris out before it gets pumped inside of the crank or pumped up into the camshaft area which are two critical areas um you know whether there's pieces um lodged around uh, make sure you do the screen and the oil filters and all that stuff and if you're if you're now running oil through there and those are coming out clean you're probably in good shape uh but um yeah depends let's see got any other ones um Anybody else have any questions on this thing? My my feed here is locking up. Um, hey, Todd Hicks mentioned that Skylar Howes won Vegas Torino on the FE501. Um, how much horsepower did he have? That's <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's what I want to know. Uh, I can never tell which direction we're supposed to. Uh, hey, we're missing uh, Victor, by the way. I guess he's on another Facebook timeout. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and a few of your Victor, your friends, say that you're uh, Mui Baracho, whatever that means. <laughs> I'm not. It's Spanish for uh, the the drunk. Uh, Baracho is the drunk. Yeah. So, uh, man, we've gone an hour, almost two hours now, right, Gabe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how come you didn't cut me off? Oh, it isn't. <laughs> Why you're getting paid by the hour? No, the show you're on pay, piece piece rate at the show. Yeah, it's 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 per it's per show, I think. I don't know. We have to we have to maybe we have to renegotiate or something like that. Uh, somebody says, "Don't stop talking about the Husaberg." No, I'm done with it talking about the. We're gonna ride it tomorrow, Matt. Have you ever ridden the Husaberg? Yeah, I've ridden it. Uh, I, I've ridden it when I was like 15, and it almost ripped my arms off. Right. Yeah. I've ridden it because um, you you have more than one, right? You have a couple of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 
Yes, most most insane people do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so actually, I do have one more question about the Hoosberg though. So you said Hoosberg was developing it, and then KTM stumbled upon. Did KTM own them at this time, or was Hoosberg still its own separate company? Uh, no, the KTM bought. So if. <laughs> So Husaberg was basically the guys from Husky when Husky was bought by the Italians and these guys were into their four strokes. They they built the the early Husky four strokes. They wanted to keep making making four strokes. So mm-hmm. this, uh, this is late 1980s. Um they stayed there and they formed Husaberg and they started, you know, building four strokes and they had some really radical designs mm-hmm. for four stroke engines. Uh and very lightweight. They they were modeling after two strokes and using the minimum amount of parts. They weren't putting big giant counterbalancers and oil pumps and stuff in there. So they they did that for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And when KTM decided to start really getting heavy into the four strokes, they bought Husaberg, kind of like what you're saying they're they're doing with other companies. Yeah, yeah. I.e. Husky, Gas, Gas, etc. So they bought that group. Uh, to grab some of the technology and the early KTM RFS four strokes are essentially the Husaberg motor kind of with the head spun around mm-hmm. backwards so that the, it's things are on a different side. Some of the unique features to that motor were, and it's funny because I saw someone, uh, someone that was supposed to know what they were talking about, talking about uh, having to drain the oil or drain the coolant to replace a clutch on a KTM RFS four-stroke, which isn't the case because all of the uh, coolant is up in the, you know, the oil, the side cover comes off like a two-stroke, and all that's in there is engine oil. Yeah, yeah. All the, the, the coolant is up on the camshaft. They were spinning the impeller off the camshaft, not off of the crankshaft, mm-hmm. which was one of the, the Husaberg ideas, you know, to, to, to do that kind of stuff because they didn't feel like they needed coolant in the cases. Uh, so, which, you know, that can be debated. <laughs> right. So, um, but anyway, so KTM bought them, uh, and then the, the, they were using Husaberg as this kind of boutique brand, a little bit, you know, different, kind of yeah. like, you know, like they are with Husky, it's different, but that, that 570, that 70 degree engine was this one skunk works project they let those guys loose on mm-hmm. and the, the, some of the guys and it was it was some of the uh uh some of the swedish guys and there was definitely some austrian guys in on that project some of those guys went on to design a lot of the really really good very successful um ktm products after that okay uh so i think they they let them do it because it like if if Husaberg jacked it up if the brand Husaberg jacked it up it wouldn't reflect poorly on you know the mothership on on ktm but mm-hmm. that's just my opinion um, and they, I think they did a great job developing fuel injection for the, the, you know, the bikes that were coming out later, yeah. you know, uh, the, the engine concept was, you know, ditched after, <laughs> after a few years, but yeah, yeah. I think they just learned that it wasn't necessary to do that. They could get that kind of handling characteristic, uh, with conventional methods. Right. So, um, yeah, did that answer the Husaberg semi-history question? It did, it did. And actually, it spawned one other one. Okay. I don't know how much longer. It can just be really brief. Uh, so I don't know, him a paying <laughs> pay you by the hour? Am I paying you by the hour? Depends on the day. Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do you think KTM's going to do with, like, the, the gas gas brand? So now, now they have three. 
Right. Uh, so what? Uh, what are well, they? They just they just that? introduced the KTM just introduced the trials bikes. Uh-huh. Um, you know through you know gas gas introduced the trials bikes. Um, there are certain uh, dealers. Uh, they they they've announced a worldwide their dealer network. Um, mm-hmm. So they're integrating it. They're trying. They're, those bikes are still being produced in Spain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure they're gonna you know work on just integrating the brand in they've shown that they're going to race gas gases uh currently they raced uh one with lia saints and dakar mm-hmm. which was you know it's essentially the same rally bike that's a husky and a ktm right right uh they are racing motocross they did some two-stroke motocross in uh, international races previous to the mxgp mxgp yeah because now they have their own and team. now they now they have some mxgp which is gas gas so they're who knows? Um, I, I've asked multiple times on what's going on here, and they say, well, we're, well we have trials bikes. <laughs> you know, whether there's going to be a gas, gas, and drill bike. By the way, the gas, gas, and drill bikes, the older ones, uh, there's another brand, and uh, uh, I don't recall the name off the top of my head because I can't remember people's names or name brands sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, those bikes are now being produced by another company that I think it's still being produced in Spain, but they, I heard they are going to be imported into uh, the U.S., so there might be another odd color brand that evidently, according to Mitch, we will never test. I'd like to test a Beta 200, by the way, just throwing that out there. But um, mm-hmm. the other bald guy on the Internet got it, and uh, it's okay because, it, you know. Yeah. You just like, hey, we got to start a ra- we got to raffle something off. Do you have anything? Can we raffle the shirt off your back? Because somebody wants to know why they can't buy that shirt, Logan. Why can't they buy that shirt? Because it's only for team members. That's a special one. Oh, okay, yeah, sweet. I feel special about the two I have though. Yeah, because because you've worked here. The the one I have though is a little worn. Out. One of them is a little worn out. Right. You can't use it as shop rag and then you know ask for another one. But those are special. No, no, no. I, I, have, a, I have one that's still clean though. Yeah. So the other shirts you can buy if you want to go on our uh, on our website, hit the store button. You can buy T-shirts. It supports us. And then one of these days I can get Logan or Gabe to actually be, you know do the janitorial work and then also send the T-shirts out. But um, that falls on the boss currently. Uh, next week, uh, I was thinking about doing an all-call-in show. Does anybody think about that? If you, yeah, if you can do it, yeah. I have a phone right here that every once in a while, like, you know, it, we can hook it up. Gabe knows how to do it. Call-in show could last like three hours. You get paid by the hour. be all good. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, hey, Matt, ring the bell. <laughs> Oh, Listen to uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Daniels, thank you. Um, good times. Uh, what was the motor that was a part on your uh, post today? Uh, that was a Husaberg motor. Yeah. Um, Highland Cycles uh, got that. He he identified it. He know, knew that the side cover and the, um, the, you know, the shape of the side cover and the shape of the impeller cover was different. So he picked that out pretty good. So, uh, oh, George claims he's going to be here next week. So that's a that's a threat. Well, that's good yeah. because uh, I've pissed Matt off enough. He's going to go home. Yeah, I'm actually going back next next Taco Tuesday. Yeah, and Logan uh, is you going to make it back? I don't know. You don't know. That's always that's the same answer I get from you every time. Who knows? So, hey, I think we've uh, kind of answered most of the questions. Uh, thanks a lot for everybody for joining in. Uh, it's been a big a big show. 
we're getting getting longer here. Oh, somebody wanted to know why we aren't putting these up, like why 50 and beyond were not up on the uh, podcasts on SoundCloud and on iTunes yet. It's because uh, um, I haven't done the intros for them yet. Uh, it's on me. Uh, and, and then I, since I don't have any money uh, yet... I haven't been able to pay Gabe, and that's why we're on. He's he's like threatening to strike or something like that. I'm not really sure, but I told I. You know what I told him, Logan? I said if you quit, Logan's going to handle it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll pay you half of what I'm paying him, which is twice as much as I'm paying you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. So that's how we work around here. At least McDonald's is consistent. McDonald's is consistent. Yep. You do you put an application. Oh, you no, you won't. Starbucks isn't that bad to work for, honestly. <laughs> hey, you know Matt by hosting this show, helping he got a job offer. I haven't seen it though. I, I got to get it to you. I saw I saw it someplace. I'll yeah. get it to you. So if uh, I, haven't, I haven't responded because I haven't seen it yet. I, I probably, <laughs> it's not because I'm not interested. No, he's very interested in uh, uh, taking on work and things like that. So uh, again, uh, thanks everybody for joining in. Uh, thanks for Ned uh, sitting in live in the show. How was it? It was great. Yeah, thanks for getting me past your bed. Thanks for getting me that beer. He didn't want to get up because he thought he might, like, interrupt the, the flow of the show. So we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up and uh, see you uh, out on the trail. Right, Logan? Yeah. yeah. Cheers. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had uh, buying parts from anybody before and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, All of our Taco Moto Co. branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and nose meets the the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure.